When your child is missing, the whole world stops. What you do within those first 48 hours can have a huge impact on helping authorities bring your baby home as quickly and safely as possible. I'm Detective Damian Jackson with the Escondido Police Department's Family Protection Unit and the San Diego Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force. Today we're breaking down exactly what you should and should not do when you realize your child is missing. This is Parent Savers. Faster than a speeding toddler. Sit still for just a minute. Can soothe boo-boos with a gentle kiss. Did you get down from there? Able to clean poopy bottoms in a single swipe. Oh, what did you eat? Turning frazzled mommies and daddies into procreators of peace and harmony. Ah, quit touching me. It's Parent Savers, empowering new parents everywhere. Welcome to Parent Savers, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Parent Savers is your online, on-the-go support group for parents with infants and toddlers. And I am your guest host, Mm -hmm. Sunny Galt. Thanks again to all of our loyal listeners who join us every time we release a new episode. And for those of you who continue with our conversations on Facebook and Twitter, all of our virtual panelists out there, um, we love seeing you online. If you want to get even more Parent Savers content, be sure to check out our special club, the Parent Savers Club. There's more information about that on our website. We also have a Parent Savers app, which is available in the Android, iTunes, what am I missing, Windows applications. So that way you can listen to Parent Savers wherever you go. So Kalina, our producer, is going to tell you more about our virtual panelist program. Kalina. All right. So if you like listening to Parent Savers and you want to get in on the conversation but you can't be here with us in studio, uh, we do like to hear from you. So if you want to interact with us, you can do that on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, Use the hashtag ParentSaversVP. If you have a good question or a little bit of input, we'll try and get that in on the show. All right, so let's meet everyone that's joining us here in the studio. I'm Sunny. I'm the host of the show. I'm guest hosting. And I have four children of my own. I have two little boys, ages four and two, and identical twin girls who are just about to turn one. Jonner. My name is Jonner. I'm a dad of three boys, a seven, five, a three-year-old. I'm a PR guy and former host of Parent Savers and love helping out with these podcasts whenever I can. Awesome. And Scott? I'm Scott. I'm a uh, father to a four-year-old boy. I'm a financial planner and love being on the show. And Kalina. Hi. Um, Again, (laughs) producer uh, for Parent Savers here. I have one son. He's 17 months. um, And this is... uh, This is what I do for fun. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Before we kick off today's episode, I'd like to introduce you to a special guest. Her name is Kathy Duffy, and she is the co-creator of a great new product called The Elf Band. I actually met Kathy at ABC Kids Expo this last year, and she told me about this product. And when she did, I knew all of our moms and dads who listen to the shows would really appreciate knowing more about it. So, Kathy, welcome to Parent Savers. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit about The Elf Band and how it works. Sure. The ELF band is actually a safety identification wristband that reconnects you and your child a little bit faster. ELF actually stands for Easy Lookup to Phone Home. It's a non-toxic, durable wristband that provides an easy way for young children, uh, people with disabilities, to be able to have a voice. So in the event they were lost or temporarily separated from you, they'd be able to get back in touch with you with the help of a Good Samaritan store employee or police officer. Our band, like I said, is a silicone wristband. We don't put any personal information on the outside of the band for the privacy of the parent and the child. However, if the child is wearing the wristband and they get lost, there are clear instructions directly on the band for Good Samaritans 
to actually call a 1-800 number or scan a QR code to get in touch with um, parents or guardians. Okay, so let's assume they went ahead and they called the number on there. Is it an automatic, does it automatically dial the parent or how does that work? Right, so if they saw the wristband and they actually called the 1-800 number, the 1-800 number is going to ask them to plug in the serial code that's listed directly on your child's band. So they would plug in the six-digit code and it would automatically be connected to the person that was added as the emergency contact. Okay, and what happens if no one picks up at that number? If you're registering the band, most people register more than one person. So usually it's a mom, a dad, or mom, grandma. It would call the second person on that list. From there, it would call the third person on the list. So you can have up to three contacts on there. If you don't pick up the first time, it's actually going to hang up and try you again, but you'll also get a text and an email alert that someone's trying to get in touch with you. Oh, nice. Okay. And then what happens if voicemail picks up? Does the system know that it's voicemail as opposed to talking to a real person? It does. The same process would happen. It would actually hang up and try you again. But in either situation, you are going to get a message on your phone saying somebody's trying to contact you. Okay. Good to know. How hard is it to get the band on and off? If you have, I know, like I'm just thinking about my kids, like sometimes they're in the mood to wear something on the wrist, sometimes they're not. So how does that work? Well, we have three different sizes. So I can't guarantee that the kids are going to wear them. I do tell parents that, first of all, if you have a child that I would say is four or five years old, usually if you can explain how important it is for them to wear the band, explain the situation that if they were to get separated from mommy and daddy, that's very important that they have this band on. It will help them get back to their parent. That's a little bit easier to swallow for an older child. If you have a toddler, we actually recommend that you put the band on the toddler's ankle. They can't get that off as easily. <laughs> and really, they'll forget about it, that it's on their leg. Now, our episode today is about what to do when your child goes missing. So how can the ELF band help in this type of situation? Well, uh, the ELF band will provide identification for your child in the event that they are separated from you. So with each band, we send out a children's storybook that was actually written by my son, Logan. It's called Logan the Elfer. And that book actually teaches them how to use the band. And our hope is that every parent will use the ELF as a tool in their safety procedures with their children. And although we can't be 100% worry-free, this new and innovative wristband could actually help eliminate stress and teach children safety procedures. So should they get separated from you, we're hoping that with this book, every child will know to go find a good Samaritan, a store employee, a police officer, and actually point to the band. The child will be returned faster to the parent or guardian. How can our listeners purchase the ELF band and also just learn more about it? They could go ahead and visit our website at www.elfband.com. That's E-L-P-H. B-A-N-D.com. Okay. And what is retail on the ELF band? The band on our website actually goes for $19.99. And that is for a blue or pink band and one-year service. So after the one year is up, probably about 30 days before your band is expiring, you will receive an email message on the 30th day and the 15th day before the band expires. Just reminding you that your subscription status is going to be expiring and offering you to extend it for $10 for another year, and you'd also get a new band. And Kathy is offering a special promo code for our listeners. If you go to their website at elfband.com and you go to the Buy a Band section, you can enter a promo code. And it's mommy, M-O-M-M-Y, at checkout. Just look for the coupon area, and you can receive a $5 discount. So, Kathy, thank you so much. I I love the fact you guys came together, you saw a need, and you created this product to help new parents. We really appreciate it. No, thank you, and thank you for having me. 
All right. Today we're talking about what to do when your child is missing. And I want to say kind of a disclaimer off the top of the show. We're not trying to scare anybody, but this is information that you'll probably want to know in case something like this happens in your family or just to someone you really care about. Our expert is Detective Damian Jackson with the Escondido Police Department's Family Protection Unit, also San Diego Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force. So Detective Jackson, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. All right. So um, as far as children going missing, how many children in the United States go missing? You know, if we're looking at this from a yearly perspective, do you have any stats or numbers on on what that looks like? You know, the, the stats and, and figures vary year by year. Um, I think there's certainly been an increase as far as missing children uh, in recent times. And that's I think that's largely in part to, um, you know, just the accessibility through the Internet and other other means. Um, and but every day, every day, uh, every day in every jurisdiction, every major metropolitan area, we have children that go missing um, for a variety of reasons, whether those be runaways, mm-hmm. um, stranger abductions, family abductions are, are, are a pretty big part of that number. Even kind of inadvertently disappearing for a while and they lose track of time and don't yeah. realize what's happening and that throws everybody into a tailspin. But it, it, it happens every day in every location on every every demographic, every socioeconomic right. scale. Everybody's affected by it. We talk about the first 48 hours as being the most critical. Why why is that? The first 48 hours are, are the most critical because you, you, you have that momentum. You know, outside of 48 hours, you really start to lose that, that investigative momentum in getting getting the children back safe, getting that that fresh evidence, you know, before things start to degrade. Um, and and really within that first 48 hours is when people are most affected by it and you have you have the interest of the public in that case it's it's a it's a new event it's you know information is kind of happening dynamically and you want to keep people engaged that are part of that search process if you know for instance if 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 you saw an amber alert you know on your way into to the studio here today you would you would take note of it. Maybe you go, oh, okay, wow, this Amber Alert happened, and, and I have to pay attention to this information. But if it were the same Amber Alert, you know, three days from now, four days from now, it starts to diminish as far as you know how much how much effort and uh, you know acuity people are going to put into that that message and looking for that child, unless it's somebody that's close to them. Right. We hear a lot, and I don't know if this is a, um, the shows that we watch or whatever, that if there's a missing person, you wait 24 hours. But that is not the case for children, correct? No, definitely. And I, and I wouldn't say that's the case for anybody. You okay. know, when missing adults are, are uh, an entirely different entity because, you know, if once you're an adult, if, if you decide you just want to fall off the grid and go away, you're perfectly well within your right to do that. Um, obviously, as a kid, not so much. Right. So. Um, if if a child goes missing for any reason whatsoever, you need to act on it immediately. And I, I can't stress that enough. Um, and, it, and to me, it doesn't matter if it's been five minutes and I can't find my child. Call the police. Mm-hmm. I mean, why why not call them? And you know, I'm I'm a police officer, and I'm telling you flat out, call the police mm-hmm. in, in the immediate event that your child is missing and you can't locate them, because at the very minimum. You're going to have two, three officers that are going to show up within a matter of a minute that are going to assist you in looking for that child or starting up a plan or just getting the ball rolling and getting that momentum that's that's so critical 
going forward to find that child. I think that's really interesting because I've, we found ourselves in situations, either us or other parents, you're at a crowded park at a birthday party, maybe it's unfamiliar, or a theme park, and all of a sudden you're like, I don't know where the four-year-old is right now. And you're sort of looking around and you kind of have a little panic. I don't know if you've gone through that or if you have Scott. And you're sort of panicked. But then it's weird. And, I, and I've even found myself when it's happened to us or see others that, oh, no, it's fine. They don't want to ask other people for help. They don't want to tell people because they want to be in control and don't want people to think that they can't take care of their kids. Yeah. But, you know, what you're saying is call the police. But also, I mean, I think tell people around you, I can't, my four-year-old, I can't find him. He's wearing a red shirt or something like that. Right. Yeah. Tell other people, right? It's a great point. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know that the first six hours are really the most important when you first find that your child is missing. So what what would you recommend parents do? Let's just focus on the first six hours. Obviously, you know, we let's just say we just noticed that our child is missing. We decide to call police. What happens from that point? We're calling our local police department, I'm assuming, right? Yes. And then from the police perspective, what happens internally? What I think parents often make the mistake of thinking, um, even thinking about this topic, is that everything is going to be heaped on their shoulders. You know, that when your child goes missing, that I have to do everything. I have to run this entire thing. I have to think of all these checklists. I have to do this and that. And the reality is, if if your child goes missing, you are going to get flooded with resources immediately that are going to um, assume that search and that follow-up and that investigation at every level possible. Um, and and by the and I've, and I've I've worked I've worked quite a bit with with those teams and, and trained with them that you know the FBI has the probably the best team in the world specifically for the, their CART team the uh, child abduction response team and in that case in any jurisdiction you'll have uh, a child that goes missing once you make that call and you pull that red handle and you initiate the those resources. Within a matter of, of a couple hours, you're going to have 100 other law enforcement officers um, right there at that, that location that are going to be farmed out, and they're going to start working that, that active investigation to recover that child. Physically there? Physically there, yes. That oh. is amazing to me. That's I had incredible. no idea. Yeah, and, well, it just goes to show you how, how critical of an issue it is and how, um, how important it is to to get that momentum rolling immediately. You know, time, time is not on your side in that type of case when a child is missing because they can again, it goes back to, you know, they can't think and process things. So they're automatically at a disadvantage and at danger when they're away from their, their normal environment. So in that case, you're going to have, you know, the moon and the stars show up at your disposal to help get that child back. You know, one thing that I read online, you know, for parents that are looking for something to do or, you know, things not to do is, you know, if you're at your house, don't, you know, all that's kind of considered a potential crime scene. Like, don't move stuff. Don't. What, what is your advice for parents that are like literally waiting for the police to arrive? No, that's a great point. The, the you know, in that case, I, I would always urge people to try to shut down the area as much as possible because you 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 don't know that it could be it could be a crime scene there could potentially be evidence collected and recovered from your child's bedroom or the area that we're playing in um you know treat it treat it like a crime scene because you know the reality is that could become critical at some point down the road to be able to preserve that that area as as best as as possible as it was when the child was last there 
I know you guys are going to handle everything, but for us, you know, our, I can only imagine what our minds are doing at that time, and we're frantic. Um, but, you know, as far as recalling, like making a list of, of people, like are, are there some, some things like that, some guidance that we can give parents as far as what would be helpful for you guys once you arrive? Yeah, obviously the, you know, more information the better. Yeah, the more the more you know about your child, the more you know about their 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 friends, the locations that they go to, kind of their 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 state of being. What are they into? What are they not into? You know, their likes and dislikes. You know, how do they how do they interact with strangers normally? You know, do they do they you know flee from people? Are they are they very skittish when when you talk about other people, or are they engaging? You know, and and. Uh, during the break, Scott brought up a good point about um, you know parents that that are just so oh go give go give this stranger a hug or you you met this person for the first time and you've known them for ten seconds and now go up and you know give them a big hug and you know I'm what I'm against that personally because I think that just trains that that child to think that you know any stranger I can go up and immediately make you know that level of physical contact with and and. You know, my personal preference is no, you know, and, and it's, you know, even being a police officer, people will, you know, that we work with, it's like, oh, it's a police officer, you go give him a big hug. And, and even then I'm kind of standoffish still, and I'll, I'll kind of put out the hand like, oh, high five, buddy, you know, and I, that's, that's just, that's just me. So I, you know, taking those things into account, but knowing your friends, knowing your, your child's friends are that's such a huge thing and it's it's so frustrating for us when we respond to the cases of a missing child or a runaway child where you know we need a starting point you know where are they likely to go who are they likely to be with and and i i can't tell you how many times we've we've handled cases where i'll talk to parents and say okay well who are their friends who are they hang with Uh, i don't know you know okay well give me some of their friends names you know let's start there um you know i don't know well who's their best friend I don't know. Oh my goodness! And it's really? like you got to help me here. You got to, you yeah. know, you have got to know your child. You have got to know your child's friends. You have to be involved in their life at that level because you have to help them make those decisions. And um, you know, so knowing that information, knowing you know what they're in, what kind of sports do they play, what you know, any special needs, medications, that type of thing, that helps us with a timeline on any kind of medical needs that we have to be aware of. There, there's just so many things that you you have to take into account to to follow up and investigate and bring that child back, um, and having having the clearest head possible in those those early hours is is very key, very critical. We had this case in our area recently. It reminded me of that where it was a high school kid, and it got to the point where like the local search parties were being organized, and like a call went out on Twitter, "Hey, this kid's missing." I think they sent it out to the little league, and then kids started responding, "Oh no, he's at the movies. We just saw him at right. this movie theater." Yeah, and the parents just didn't know, or he had kind of like tried to get away, but the other kids were like, "Oh yeah, I just saw that kid like right. 15 minutes ago." Yeah, and then that shows you the power of social media in that case too. Yeah. Although, to play devil's advocate, couldn't it be um, kind of a bad thing if you're putting too much information out there? Aren't you? Again, maybe I watch too many crime shows, but sometimes, you know, if that's one of the reasons, you know, they don't necessarily put everything out on the media because you're trying, if this really is a crime, right. you're trying to find information, um, you know, about what happened and information only someone that did it would know. And if you're putting everything out there, Again, just to play devil's advocate, you know, is there a line 
you know, again, sharing too much online. Well, there certainly is. a In, in, in any investigation, you don't want to give up too much. You know, you have to maintain some level of, um, you know, advantage mm-hmm. over the person that you're investigating. And so in that case, you would, you would limit the information that you would put out. But, you know, I, what, one thing I would stress, too, is that in a, case, in a case like that where you have a child that goes missing and, and you've activated those resources to come out and help is you're, you're going to have, you're going to have a, a law enforcement officer assigned to you personally that's going to help manage you and, and, and manage the process with you at that time and they'll walk you through those things you know not, they're not going to say you know here's the phone make a statement you know to the press about sure. what's going on they're, they're going to drive that part of it and they should and you know as as a parent thrust into that situation where your child is missing as difficult as it as it is and, and i've seen it and, and it's 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 excruciating for people that go through that as hard as it is you really do have to have faith in that system and those people that are working for you to get that child back and kind of take a step back and and really rely on them and their resources and and their their expertise in dealing with that you know keep in mind that that of all those people that show up to help you get your child back you know 95 percent of them are parents themselves Mm -hmm. so they're they're operating from that same mindset that if if my child was missing you know what 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 would i put into it what what you know how far am i willing to go to get that child back and it shouldn't be surprising anybody that they will go to the ends of the earth to get it done and you know i i I tell people in those cases that i i cannot guarantee the outcome i simply cannot guarantee the outcome but i can guarantee the work that's going to go into getting your child back safely good point Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll have more tips on what you can do as a parent and the whole process of what happens when your child goes missing. Welcome back. Today we're talking about what to do when your child is missing, and we're talking with Detective Damian Jackson. So we talked about the first six hours being extremely important, as well as um, the first 48 hours being important. So let's assume we're past the six-hour mark now. Um, what happens at that point? How do things shift? If a child's been missing for 24 hours, that that elevates things significantly, obviously. And, um, you know, a, a number of things are going to go into play. The, the, the best thing that you as a parent can do and anybody involved with that child that had any interaction with them in the preceding 24-hour time period is to establish as, as detailed a timeline as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that is really critical because, you know, even the smallest detail that you might not think is, is you know, that's pretty inconsequential, that could be huge. That, right. could, that could be the lead that breaks the case altogether and, and is, enables us to get that child back. So sitting down and constructing that timeline um, as detailed as possible is, is really, really important. And as well as getting the input from other people that had interaction with that child, because they might, you know, obviously they're going to see things that are a little bit different. And that could be the child's teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how were they yesterday when they were in class? Did they, did they seem normal? Did they act a little bit differently? Did they say anything? Did you, have you heard anything, you know, different? Talking to their friends from school? You know, mm-hmm. as, as John or uh, before about you know, the friends knowing where they are and what what they're what they're up to. You know, we had a case in particular recently where uh, a child was communicating with an adult online, and this adult came from an entirely different state, abducted this child from a school, and you know took off with with the child. 
we were able to recover the child successfully, which which was great. Um, but one of the I think one of the key components in that case was we started talking to that child's friends at school, and they helped us reconstruct that timeline and what what was happening in the hours leading up to that point where he was abducted. And they said, "Oh, yeah, we know about this. We know he was talking to someone about such and such." Well. He used my friend's phone to actually text this guy. So that was a huge lead that wow. we might not have, you know, been able to get in, in that case. Um, and so, you know, really talking to as, as many people as possible within that, that 24-hour period is, is going to provide you with volumes of information that you wouldn't get just from talking to the parent alone. Because mm-hmm. as, we, as we alluded to before, a lot of times, you know, we're so busy and we're caught up in everything going on that you might not pay attention to all those details you know, on an hour by hour basis of your kids. But, you know, in the nature of my business and what I do, it's, it's funny when I, when I leave and I see my kids in the morning, I take kind of a personal picture in an inventory of what they were wearing before they went to school. Mm. And, it, and it's just crazy. And I hate that, you know, we're in a, a society where you have to think that way, but you almost do. It's like, I have to take a snapshot of what my kids look like and what they were wearing before they went to school. So in the event I had to you know, recall that information, I would, I would have that. And it, you know, it's just one of those, one of those steps. You know, Detective, as you're, as you're talking about this and, you know, I'm trying to think, okay, well, what would I do? What would I do? And I can just imagine just the the craziness that goes on. But this, I keep thinking about this, this overarching theme that to just, maybe we just intuitively know this as parents, maybe not, but to not be a passive participant in our in our child's lives, you know, to uh, because we don't know what's going to happen five minutes, ten minutes from now. So to to you know pay attention to the friends, what you know, what what they do, what they what they don't do, the thing, the places they go. Absolutely. And uh, the more that we know, and the more that we're involved, it almost seems like that could you know could be a real shot in the arm for us if we had to actually use sure use that information. Sure. And just and and just knowing your kids, you know, I I, I see such a, a, a huge disassociation these days with 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 parents and their children as they get older we just we're all caught up we have our faces in our you know devices and you know and, and I and I'm guilty of it from time to time as well and you you just kind of get disconnected and every once in a while you just have to put all that stuff aside sit down and have that conversation with your child and you know, talk about them, talk about the things that are going on in their lives, talk about their friends, talk about some of the things that they're concerned about, what they're, what they're fearful of, you know, what, uh, what kind of peer pressure they're going through. Just little things that, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because we're talking about, you know, abductions and missing children, but you could, you could shut all that down so much by just being involved in your kids' lives Mm-hmm. so much more and just talking to them and, and getting to know them and, and do those things. And with parents, you really have to trust your instincts, you know, especially mom, moms are just so in, intuitive and, and, uh, you know, they, they can read a situation before it happens. And it, it really comes down to trusting that gut instinct and, and, you know, no, this isn't a good situation or, or I don't, you know, I don't like that act on that. Listen to yourself. If, if it doesn't feel right, it's not right. That's one of the biggest parenting lessons I think I've learned, you know, is, you know, and, and it's usually not that big of a, a deal, you know, okay, do, you know, should I let the baby cry a little bit longer? No, I should really go. But I've learned to like kind of just trust myself. And I found more times than not that um, instincts are are good to have. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's good to act on them. Absolutely. Predators are looking for, for easy targets. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it's kind of the, uh, you know, the slowest goat theory, you know, the slowest goat gets, gets tagged by the cheetah, you know? So if you, if, if, if your kids are always walking around and they have their head down and, you know, they see somebody and they kind of, you know, look away and they don't give off that, that air of, of just being confident and engaging, you know, that's, that's going to present them as a, as a more probable target for a predator. So, you know, I encourage my kids, Hey, you know, be assertive. When somebody does something for you, you know, look them in the eye and say, thank you. Thank you very much. You know, um, things like just little things like that. All right. I think that's great. So thanks so much, Detective Jackson, for joining us today. For more information on what to do when your child is missing, or if you want to learn more about Detective Jackson, visit our website at newmommymedia.com. This conversation continues for members of our Parent Savers Club. In our bonus content, Detective Jackson will share some things that you can do at home to help police just in case something happens to your child. For more information about the Parent Savers Club, visit the members portion of our website. So we have a question from one of our listeners. This comes from Leslie of Massachusetts, and I thought it was appropriate since Detective Jackson is in the studio today to have him answer it. So uh, Leslie says, one of our neighbors recently gave us a flyer telling us about a sex offender who moved into a house a couple streets away. I have a three-year-old son and a newborn little girl, and I'm completely uncomfortable with this situation. Is there anything that can be done peacefully to keep him away from our kids? So Detective Jackson, what do you what do you say to that? Well, that's a good question and we get that quite a bit um you know every every jurisdiction has sex offenders registered sex offenders that are are living among them and i would assume in this case with with the, the mention of the flyer that there was probably a photo of this person as well um you know there are different types of sex registrants uh some they're called post and no post some of the you know if, if you're a a, a post and then that means that your information including your photo is posted and accessible publicly um, and in the case of you're a non-post, then then that wouldn't be the case. Um, I would assume it's it it's you know it's a post in this case where that the flyer has the person's photo, and in that case it's you know knowledge is power, and you have you have that person's photograph, so you automatically know you know who you don't want to be around, uh, and and. You know, I, I'm I'm pretty full disclosure as well with my kids on that. And if if I knew that there's a, a specific sex offender that was living close enough to my home, I I would flat out probably show my kids that photo and say, if you ever see this person, don't go near them. At the same time, you don't want to, you know, go on a smear campaign of that person and and you know do anything that's going to bring you in legal hot water because it certainly can. You know, that information exists to make people aware. Um, and, and that's a great thing, but it, it also, you know, there have been cases in the past and, and we deal with them from time to time where, um, you know, these registered sex offenders do, um, get sought out and, and, and targeted and singled out by people because of their, their offender status. And, and in that case, you know, you can run the risk of becoming culpable, uh, and, and being liable for, for that level of harassment and, you know, and, and violating the law if you're specifically targeting that person and you're, and you're going outside, you know, normal behavior to, to kind of make their life miserable. You know, I would submit to any parent that, you know, them being on that registry is, is a, a pretty miserable thing as it is. And, and um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not advocating, you know, befriending anybody or, you know, anything on that. It, it is what it is. But you just want to make sure, you know, have that information, be be smart about it, you know, protect your family. Don't don't 
don't put yourself or your kids at any kind of risk where they're going to be in association with that person. And then just, you know, go about your normal life. You know, the, the mere fact that they are, are posted and they are a registrant, it really takes the wind out of their sails to a degree where they're, they're going to try to stay out of the public eye. You know, if, and, and, and I, and I can say that with some assurance because I, I deal with those people, you know, from time to time in the course of my work and, you know, they want to remain anonymous as best they can. So, you know, they're not, you don't have to worry about him lurking around your bushes, I don't think. And, you know, you wake up in the morning and, and this registered sex offenders in your backyard, you know, that you have the flyer from a couple streets away. So, you know, be aware, you know, be smart about it. And, uh, you know, I, I certainly would encourage Leslie not to alter her lifestyle or alter you know, the way she interacts with her children or other people around her. So that wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Parent Savers. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals, for expecting parents, the boob group for moms who breastfeed, and twin talks for parents of multiples. This is Parent Savers, empowering new parents. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. New Mommy Media is expanding our lineup of shows for new and expecting parents. If you have an idea for a new series, or if you're a business or organization interested in joining our network of shows through a co-branded podcast, visit newmommymedia.com. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.